Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today on this Wednesday. It's a relatively short week this week because of Independence Day on Monday. And I hope you guys had a fantastic time with the people you love and celebrated America unapologetically, as I did. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Follow me on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and Truth Social, I'm at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show, what's on your mind, what we're covering, what we're not covering, what you like, what you hate. Although keep that in check. No, I'm just kidding. Tell me everything that you're thinking about, about the country, about what we cover here on the show. You can shoot me an email at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I read them all, I see them all. So keep them coming. Well, today I want to deal with the left's need for chaos. Not their desire for chaos, although they relish it, but their need for chaos, their stoking of chaos. This is going to be a recurring theme on this program because it is so central to what we're all going through and what we are all fighting. This weekend's grotesque mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois is part of this, and we're going to get into it. Also today, a very special and fun interview coming up. We're going to talk to the legendary actor and comedian, Joe Piscopo. I can't wait. Joe has become a friend. I'm so honored to have him as a friend. And of course, he's a legend and a patriot. So we're going to have a great, great chat with him coming up. And your emails at the end of the show, as always, it's all straight ahead. First up, though, the Monica Memo. So on Monday, July 4th, Independence Day, the most sacred of all American holidays, a lunatic gunman gunned down a 4th of July parade. Remember back in December of last year when another lunatic drove into a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin? Yeah, you probably forgot about that. But hold that thought and and hold the thought in your mind of July 4th and Christmas 
We're going to circle back, as Saki used to say. We're going to circle back on that. In this case uh, of this uh, horrible tragedy and, and distinct crime that happened this Monday, they caught the gunman, who was clearly a raving nutcase, all over social media, looking and acting crazy, drawings of him carrying out a mass shooting, a music video of him shooting up a classroom, other photos of him looking like a complete maniac with the crazy eyes, the whole thing, the look, they all have it. Dead eyes, dead soul. Taken over by evil, quite literally. They also make an easy mark if, say, somebody wanted to manipulate them into doing something. I don't know that's the case in any of these cases. I'm just saying. So not only do they all have the same sick, demented look, which is a giant tell right there, but they're all known to law enforcement. You can set it like clockwork. All of them known to law enforcement. So law enforcement knows who they are, knows they are threats, and then what? Does nothing. Why? Well, the top-line explanation for that is, and, and they will tell you this, is that they can't do anything until a crime is committed, at which point, of course, it's too late and you've got dead bodies on the ground. They don't want to, or they can't, intervene before the crime is committed. This is what they say. But isn't this what red flag laws are all about? Isn't this exactly what they're supposed to do? Preempt the crime? If someone is a clear maniac, like this guy, and like the the Columbine shooters, and the, the school shooter in Connecticut, like all of them, These guys aren't walking out. I mean, very few of these mass shootings do you see like a normal guy, well-adjusted, you know, dressing normal, the whole thing. Very few of those walking around shooting up schools and driving into parades, okay? But isn't this what these red flag laws are all about? This is exactly what they're supposed to stop. If someone is an obvious maniac like this guy, aren't red flag laws supposed to kick in to prevent him from getting a weapon? That's what they tell us the red flag laws are all about anyway, right? Illinois has tons of these laws, some of the strictest gun control laws in the country. And in this particular case, they've got red flag laws. This particular town, Highland Park, has a so-called assault weapons ban in the town. and They've got everything in place that the left is constantly telling us that we need to try to stop this evil from happening. And yet, this nut was also, by the way, known to law enforcement because, as we saw yesterday when they did a presser, guess what? A couple of years ago, this kid threatened to kill his entire family. So the police descended on the family home and took away all kinds of weapons, including a sword, because the kid was threatening to kill the family with the sword. So they apprehended the sword, a dagger, a bunch of knives, all kinds of stuff. He was on their radar for being a threat, not a potential threat, an actual threat. So all of these things, red flag laws on the books, assault weapons ban in the town, this kid known to be a threat, known to law enforcement on their radar, and yet he still got his hands on a gun legally. Weird, right? Weird that criminals with intent would pay no attention to the laws on the books. Weird that he could apparently legally get these weapons, because nobody's enforcing the laws on the books. Isn't that weird too, that the authorities have all these laws and they're like, oh yeah, we can't enforce them or we won't enforce them. The 15 Senate Republicans who just voted for these nationwide red flag laws are the worst kind of useful idiots. The left, you understand because we know what their real agenda is, but these Republicans, no excuse. 
John Cornyn, first and foremost, out of Texas of all places, he's the one who led the charge on this insane bill that is already being abused around the country. Red flag laws are not meant to stop crazy criminals like this maniac, okay? Let's be really honest about what's actually going on here. They are not meant to do that. They tell you that that's what these laws are all about, but it's not. They're not. They are meant to stop you. You. Law-abiding, mentally well American citizens from getting and keeping a gun. Red flag laws are sold to you with a noble purpose. Like everything anti-American and anti-freedom that the left sells to you, they always dress it up in a noble purpose. This is how they make the medicine go down. This is how they get you to agree and comply. We saw this throughout the pandemic. Oh, we need lockdowns to keep everyone safe. Oh, everybody needs to get a shot of this experimental medicine because of the greater good. You don't want grandma to die, do you? You don't want to hurt your neighbor, do you? So they keep spreading all these lies, but they they cloak the lie in the noble purpose to get your buy-in, to get you to be a sheep. This is what they do, and this is what they are so good at. I talk about this all the time, you guys. The left for decades have learned the art of the emotional appeal. You don't want to kill grandma, do you? Go get the experimental medicine. <laughs> you, you don't want to, I, this is, they're so good at this. Oh, you don't want the crazy maniac shooting up your child's school, do you? Go for the red flag law, which we're about two seconds away from abusing against you. Oh, but we're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you, oh, you don't want children to die. They are very good at this. And because they control the culture and the press, they have every avenue to amplify this message and amplify the noble cause. Always with a noble sounding purpose. That's how they dress up their nefarious, anti-freedom, anti-American agenda. They have no intention of using this nationwide red flag law for the noble purpose of preventing these crimes. Obviously not, because all of these people who are shooting up the place and killing people are red flagged. They're perfect candidates for the red flag. Red flags all over the place. And yet, they still get their hands on the weapon and they still kill a bunch of people. So the left, instead of actually using these things for what they tell you they're going to use them for, once they get your buy-in with the noble purpose, then they weaponize it for their true intentions. In this case, it's to weaponize red flag laws to disarm you and to keep you disarmed permanently so that they can install their tyranny at the drop of a hat without any pushback. The other point on this, and, and, and this is a really critical one, okay, so listen very closely to this. This is to the shooter's obviously crazy look and behavior, which all of these shooters have, okay, we've all mentioned this. There is a bigger, actually two much bigger social points here. The collapse of the family unit which has been a leftist project for decades, and they have succeeded in busting apart the nuclear family. The vilification of young men, boys, and now with the transgender agenda, it's all about confusing both sexes, actually, but this is the real vilification of young men with toxic masculinity, confusing them about their gender, gender fluidity, the whole thing. It's really a vilification of young, young males. The unchecked radical social media that we have going on. We've got the increased use of antidepressants and psychotropic drugs. Tucker Carlson did a great thing on this last night in his monologue. But all of this, like easy reaching for these uh, psychotropic drugs that change the brain chemistry, whether it's for attention deficit disorder or depression or, or gender confusion, They're instantly prescribing these drugs 
And I think all of these things together may be contributing to this rise in mass shootings. You don't see young girls doing this. This has been targeted to young boys for a long time, and now we're reaping the tragic, horrific consequences of all of this. These red flag laws, meaningless when you're dealing with this kind of big social and cultural issue. So that's cultural point number one. Cultural point number two. All of these shooters have this look, right? And this antisocial behavior that then goes into criminal behavior. As a society, we have normalized all of this. For decades, the message has been, oh, self-expression is good. Let your child dress how they want act a little nutty, find their own way, march to their own drummer. Conformity is bad. Unique expression is good, and it should be cultivated and fostered in your child. Let them roam free, free-range children. Remember all of that? And that was fine for a while, and up to a point, you want your child to be who they're going to be. But it's now morphed into Her self-expression is telling her she's a boy. Or his self-expression is telling him he's a girl who should be swimming on the girls' swim team and beating all the girls because he's a boy. This is where the left's hijacking of positive self-expression, healthy self-expression, has taken us, okay? We've allowed them to normalize weirdos. Oh, just embrace them for who they are and celebrate their journey. Well, when the warning signs are there that their journey is about to turn violent, the celebration of that journey has got to stop. The normalization of mental illness has led to this. Everybody is afraid to step in because civil liberties or fear of being labeled a bigot or intolerant or whatever. And so no one wants to try to stop the lunatic before he shoots up a school or drives into a parade, which is exactly what the left wants because they need chaos to ram through their neo-communist agenda. They want the chaos, the more violent, the better. And, by the way, if they can target meaningful holidays, even better. So they targeted Christmas. Why? Because the Judeo-Christian heritage is critical to the foundation of our country. They want to tear that apart. They target July 4th. Why? Because it's the most sacred of American holidays. It's the foundation of our political system, our constitutional order. That's why they're doing this. Is this some grand conspiracy between the Waukesha killer and this killer? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there is a mindset that is set in here that the left has inculcated for decades that drives these people to do things on certain days in certain ways. Throughout history, Whenever communists took control, one of the first things they did was release violent criminals from prison, get them back on the streets to cause violent mayhem, so the communists could then claim savior status. Oh, you're so lucky to have us. We'll bring order and safety. Sure, at the expense of your freedom. They let things get so bad that you are begging for them to impose order which they do at the barrel of a gun as they enslave you. Sound familiar? What do you think all these leftist governors, mayors, and DAs are doing? Exactly right. Think, everybody, and wake up. All right, when we come back, Deborah Messing, the cult of Hollywood celebrity, and the role of anger, plus Joe Biden. You're not going to want to miss this. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double, 
and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, guys, welcome back. I want to switch gears here for a moment. Also, just a reminder, we've got Joe Piscopo, the one and only, the legend, uh, coming up here after this next segment. It's going to be a fantastic interview. He's brilliant and hilarious, and it's just going to be so much fun. Plus, your email's coming up as well. Um, I want to switch gears here and talk about uh, Hollywood celebrity and their connection to the Biden administration, but also the role of anger because I think this is a really important point. So over the last day or so, CNN ran this unbelievable piece. CNN, I can't believe I'm citing them, but it really was a very interesting uh, piece of reporting. And apparently, the White House organized a phone call after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And on this call, and White Houses do this all the time, right? You you try to get buy-in from your surrogates. And in this case, they did a call with a bunch of Hollywood celebrities and other left-wing activists to try to talk them through the Supreme Court decision and what they were planning to do to push back on, on this overturning of Roe v. Wade and to try to codify abortion rights, yada, yada. So they organized this phone call and apparently Deborah Messing of Will and Grace fame was on the call. So here's how the CNN piece begins. Deborah Messing was fed up. The former Will and Grace star was among dozens of celebrity Democratic supporters. So dozens. I want to know who else was on this call, okay? Dozens of celebrity Democratic supporters and activists who joined a call with White House aides last Monday to discuss the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. The mood was fatalistic, according to three people on the call, which was also co-organized by the advocacy group Build Back Better Together. Who knows who they are? Okay, the piece goes on. Messing said she had gotten Joe Biden elected. All right, let's just stop there. Deborah Messing single-handedly got Joe Biden elected, so I guess we can all blame her. Don't blame me. I voted for Trump. Blame Deborah Messing for this historic catastrophe. On the call, she said she had gotten Joe Biden elected. And she wanted to know why she was being asked to do anything at all. So apparently, Deborah Messing and others on the left believe if they vote a certain way and it comes to pass, then that's it. <laughs> that, that's the extent of their civic engagement and responsibility. That's it. She can't understand why the White House is now turning to her and others to, for help on this. She, she doesn't get it. Why am I being asked to do anything at all? I'm getting a mani-pedi by the pool in LA while hugging my Maltese. Don't bother me. She wanted to know why she was being asked to do anything at all, yelling, this is how the piece continues, yelling that there didn't even seem to be a point to voting. Others on the call wondered why the call was happening at all. So Deborah Messing 
expressing anger here. She said, well, we voted for this. And why are you asking us to do stuff? It's your job. We put you in, we did our part. uh, And now you're not doing anything. So why should we vote at all? Good. I hope that they continue to believe that and think that way. That's good. That's good. We want them just to be like, oh, voting, such a chore, no payoff for it. We're done. Stop voting, Deborah Messing. That would be really helpful. Others on the call wondered why the call was happening. In other words, they didn't see a point to the whole thing. Why? Because the White House was not organized with any kind of response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They were not prepared for it. That afternoon, participants received a follow-up email with a list of basic talking points and suggestions of Biden's speech clips to share on TikTok. Now, I don't really want to make fun of this because every White House does this. They, they have a list of surrogates. They send out talking points to those surrogates in case those surrogates want to go out and do media and do interviews or even have just basic conversations. They have a list of talking points and then they'll send like clips of Biden speeches or whatever that they can share on social media. So I understand that part of the equation. But the celebrities who were on the call are so frustrated. I haven't seen them share any of this. Maybe I'm not following the right ones. Maybe lunatics like Richard Marks and Mark Hamill, maybe they're sharing this stuff. I I don't know, but I haven't seen it anywhere. So then the piece goes on to say, the call three days after the SCOTUS decision encapsulates the overwhelming sense of frustration among Democrats with Biden. It offers a new window into what many in the president's party describe as a mismanagement permeating the White House. Top Democrats complain the president isn't acting with, or perhaps is even capable of, the urgency the moment demands. One member of Congress described the White House this way, quote, rudderless, aimless, and hopeless. Two dozen leading Democratic politicians and operatives, as well as several within the West Wing, tell CNN they feel this goes deeper than questions of ideology and posture. Instead, they say it gets to questions of basic management. More than a week after the abortion decision, top Biden aides are still wrangling over releasing new actions in response, despite the draft decision leaking six weeks earlier. So you can imagine, guys, the people on the call were like, dudes, you had six weeks to figure this out. Actually, you've had 50 years to figure this out. Knowing at some point this could happen, why were you not better prepared? Actually, guys, I find this quite delicious because usually it's our side doing this screaming, what have you been doing? You had all this time to figure it out and get something ready. What on earth have you been doing? So I actually like seeing it happening on the Democratic side for once. Usually they're a lot more organized than this. White House counsel Dana Remus had assured senior aides that the Supreme Court would not rule on abortion that day. So she's clearly plugged in. A White House press aide assigned to the issue was walking to get coffee when the alert hit. (laughs) She had a holy crap moment. Several Democratic leaders privately mocked how the president stood in the foyer of the White House, squinting through his remarks from a teleprompter as demonstrators poured into the streets, making only vague promises of action because he and his aides hadn't decided on more. Then Biden's July 1 meeting with governors to talk about their efforts to protect abortion rights was planned so last minute that none of those who attended came in person, and several of those invited declined to rearrange their schedules to appear virtually. Multiple Democratic politicians who have reached out to work with Biden often don't hear anything back at all. Potential appointees have languished for months waiting to hear if they'll get jobs or when they'll be done with vetting. Invitations to events are scarce. Thank you calls barely happen. Even some aides within the White House wonder why Biden didn't fire anybody from the West Wing or at the FDA to demonstrate some accountability or at least anger over the baby formula debacle. 
Inside the White House, it goes on, aides are exhausted from feeling forever on red alert, batting at a swarm of crises that just keeps growing. Leading White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre to make an offhand joke about the constant 11th hour decision making in the building. All right, so it goes on and on, and there are some people on the record in the CNN piece who defend Biden and whatever. But clearly now people are starting to leak because they're exhausted, they're frustrated, they're angry, they feel like they can't get anything done. Why? Because there's no hand on the tiller. Okay, the president is senile, he's a hack, he's out to lunch. There's nobody running the show except Barack and Michelle Obama, via Susan Rice and Ron Klain, but they're not in the building. So when you need day-to-day, minute-by-minute decision-making, where are you going to go, up the street to the Obama mansion? No, you got to take it to the chief of staff, you got to go to the president, and nothing in their mind is getting done. So this, this is all interesting on two main levels. One, they criticize Donald Trump for being a hot mess and running a chaotic White House. This is the epitome of a chaotic White House. And now you're starting to see people leak this stuff, telling their stories, their truths, talking about their journeys in this White House uh, because they're incredibly frustrated. The other part of this is the role of anger. And this is a really important point. The reason you're starting to get these uh, leaks and these articles coming out and even the whispers about replacing Biden is because people on their side are angry. They're like, look, we've got unified Democratic control in Washington, the White House, the House, the Senate. We can't get any of this crap done. So I understand that because we had it like with the building of the wall in the first year or two of the Trump presidency and Paul Ryan stopped all of that, our own side, stopped it, couldn't get it done. That was a source and remains a source of incredible anger and frustration for me and for you and for all of us, right? So I get where they're coming from. I get it. But anger is a great motivator and their side is always angry. Even when they're winning, they're angry because they know that anger is a great motivator and they embrace it. They cultivate it. They use it. Our side, not so much. Our side, oh, we're more in sadness and disappointment than anger. No, it's time for our side to embrace our anger and leverage it. Not in the exact way that the left does in terms of blowing things up and violence and all of that. Of course not. I'm not talking about breaking the law. But I am talking about embracing anger as a motivating force and being unapologetically angry when we go out there, talk to people, and talk about our country. They do it, and it's very effective for them. It's time for us to do it as well. Okay, you guys, listen up, because I want all of you to be as healthy as you can possibly be. I care about you guys, I appreciate you guys, and I want you to be healthy. To get myself healthier, I am now taking Field of Greens every day, and you should too. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vitamins and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. This is what I need to stay healthy, and you need it too. Field of Greens works really fast and it tastes absolutely delicious. In fact, I look forward to my glass of Field of Greens every day. You'll have more energy, you'll look and feel healthier, and it can even help you lose weight. But what I'm looking forward to is my next physical when my doctor compares my old lab work to my new lab work and says I crushed it. So join me and take Field of Greens too. To help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order and another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. So visit them at fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. To get healthier starting today, go to fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We're back right after this with the great Joe Piscopo. (music) 
Well, I am so happy to welcome my good friend, the legendary actor, comedian, and performer. He was, of course, a brilliant and legendary Saturday Night Live player. And now he's a radio host extraordinaire, Joe Piscopo. Joe hosts the Joe Piscopo Show on AM 970 The Answer in New York from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday. And he also hosts Sundays with Sinatra on 77 WABC in New York. His website is joepiscopo.us for all of the details. And he joins me now. Hi, Joe. Monica, how awesome to be on your podcast that everybody's talking about. And thank you for always joining joining me on my program. I love you. You know that. Well, you and I are good friends, and I'm so honored and, and thrilled to have you as my friend, Joe. And I'm so pleased to always join you on your great radio show. And it's terrific to have you here on my podcast. So we've got a lot to get to with you. But first, I've <laughs> got to ask you, because you are a professional entertainer. You've always made people yes, laugh for a living. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. What is happening to the country right now really isn't a laughing matter. It's really hard to find humor anywhere. So what is your sense of what's going on in America right now? Well, it's interesting um, because, you know, I, I still go out on the road every week. We're out across America, this great country, meeting the great people across the, the America. And then I see we laugh, we have fun, we talk, and that. But when I get on the radio uh, and uh, on AM 970, particularly in the mornings when we do the four hours on the Salem uh, Media flagship station, you know, we layer it back, Monica, and that's why we always appreciate your expertise. I layer it back, and man, I, I tell you, I, I don't know that this is rougher than the Second World War, certainly the First World War. I don't think it's rougher than the Civil War and talk radio back during the Civil War. That was that was a tough gig. I mean, you know, but it's like <laughs> and then and then, you know, and then the sixties, I'm a I'm a child of the sixties. I mean, and uh, that was that was crazy when you think about it. Assassinations and the Vietnam War and, and, and all the people that just didn't like the country. I remember that. But so I don't know that it's that bad. That and that I say that as a tone of optimism, thinking we will get through it. But man, we have got a force now. And, and and again, I have to tell you objectively, Monica Crowley, and it's it's Piscopo, and we have fun, and we, you and I are friends, and we laugh, and we, it's always great to see you at the events. But as I layer it back, there seems to be, and I learned from you, I thought it was just incompetence, but it's more a concerted effort to take down the country. So I feel, I feel an, such a dire ob- obligation to step on the radio. I mean, Monica, I'm get, I'm getting up when I used to come in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I do the early morning radio. I'm getting up so early in the morning, so it's got. But I feel like it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility because now they admitted a couple of days ago. Oh yeah, this will get used to it. This is the liberal new world order. See, bingo, it's out. And you said that from day one, Monica Crowley. You're the one who mm-hmm. said it, and here it is in our face. And you know what I worry about? Honestly, I worry about my children. What is the future of America? And I do worry about it. Yeah, you know, Joe, it, it's so interesting that you say that because I, I, I'm like you, you know, the two of us are, are clear patriots. We love this country and it literally hurts yeah. our heart to see what is right. happening to it, which is why you get up at the crack of dawn to do the, the morning drive time radio show on, <laughs> on AM 970, The Answer in New York, 6 to 10 a.m. That's a long shift. But, you know, honestly, when I launched this podcast back in late March, I said the exact same thing to everybody listening to this podcast. I said, you know, people had approached me about doing a podcast for a long time and I never felt the timing was right or whatever. But now yep. the reason I'm doing this now is because as Jesse Ventura's character in Predator once said, we ain't got time to bleed. Okay. We ain't got time to bleed. There's no time just to sit on the sidelines and eat bonbons and hope for the best. Right. Yeah, I know. You know what? That's what I love about you. I, I thought that was just a guy's flick, but you're hip enough to get it. We do. We, I spent a, a good portion of the morning doing Predator quotes with my news guy, Al Gatula. We always, the, the, and you can always use a line, you know, in Predator, anytime, 
any time. Remember all the, all the predators? Yeah. All the, yeah. And, you know, get the chopper, get me to the chopper. You know, I mean, I <laughs> classic. That. But you know what? We don't got time to bleed, man. You know, I, I don't know what's out there, but whatever's out there is not human. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, we are. We're being attacked by this alien monster called the Biden administration. You know, and we're trying to just fend it off. So uh, your your analogy is so appreciated. You're you're absolutely right. And then I speak to you from the shore home of my my parents. You know, my my father, rest his soul, was a uh, a veteran in the Second World War in the United States Army Air Corps, and was a diehard patriot. I mean, as I speak to you now, Monica, from from my you know, where I like Bob Dole once said he would go back to Kansas in his hometown and in his the house where he was brought up and to gain strength. Senator Dole said that. And that's what I do in Jersey. Come down the shore to just feel the roots of my parents and my grandparents who came from another country. And I see, I see a plaque on the wall as we speak, United States of America. It's like a, and it says, it says 1776, because I talked about it on the radio this morning. That was when we were celebrating the bicentennial 1976, you know, before mm-hmm. you were born, Monica, but I was, I was, <laughs> I was here. And now my pop, he's got, he's got Thomas Jefferson quotes around. He's got, he, he couldn't speak English when he first went to school, my father, because his parents from Italy spoke only Italian, went on to be one of the great patriots I've ever known. That's, that is my mission. That is the legacy. If people are going to listen now, they say, oh, Joe Piscopo, Monica Crowley, there they are talking about America again. And you better believe it. There's millions of us, millions of us who believe heart and soul with this country. We may disagree on the little things, but so many people love this country and, and we got to, I'm telling you, we got November and we got to be on our game in November. And then in 2024, people always, I talked about it. I, I really got into it, into the weeds this morning on the show, Monica, on the morning show saying, you know, they yell at me for support for, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I make no apologies for that. And I'll be, oh, Joe, you're a Trump guy. You're Trump. Hey, excuse me. I voted for Donald Trump twice. So this wouldn't happen because I knew this right now, war, inflation, southern border, crime in the streets like we've never seen, the disregard for the inner city of the United States of America, all of that. I knew it would happen. It would have happened under Hillary and it's happening under Biden. And that's why I voted for Donald Trump. And I made no apologies for it. You need someone in Washington to really just turn Washington upside down. You were there. You worked in the Treasury. You saw it firsthand, Monica Crowley. And now we got to we have to be so on our game and we have to be smarter than they are. Who are they? They are the people that want to take down this country. We are the patriots. Doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It's the patriots that love this country. And we got to fight on our hands. Amen. And, you know, when I was on your show earlier this week, Joe, we were talking about November and then looking ahead to 24. And I said, you know, assuming all these races are clean which is a big assumption because the fraud is everywhere. Um, But I also made the point, Joe, and this gets to what you have always done for a living, which is be part of the culture, American culture. Everything flows downstream from culture, as the great Andrew Breitbart once said, including politics. So while we look ahead to the midterm elections and we all can't wait to vote to try to at least stop this catastrophe, stop it in its tracks before we can proactively start turning it around. But in terms of the culture, we all have to get involved. You can't just rely on Congressman X or Senator Y to do the heavy lifting. We all have to get involved and make sure that we begin to change the culture as we can. Like, for example, I went to go see Top Gun Maverick and I did a whole a monologue on it because I loved it. And I thought it, yeah, it, it yeah. was such a great movie because it wasn't woke. It celebrated America. And it also gave us nostalgia and hope at the same time. Right. So I That's think exactly right. everybody, everybody should go see that movie in the theater. Vote with your dollars. Show Hollywood. This is what we want. This is what we support in the culture. So when you, Joe, when you're out there looking around and talking to folks, because you're such a key part of the American culture, given what you do for a living, how do you suggest the average American go about, you know, not just supporting films like Top Gun, but how yeah. else can we get all hands on deck here? Well, a great question. And this is what I do. For example, I have a friend who is a mayor of a small town in Jersey. And he said to me, and my mom lives in that town, will you come campaign for me? And now you and I are, are slammed every second of every day, especially when you're on deadlines like we are on the radio and 
you do in TV, all the TV hits. It's it's a people. I don't know that people understand that it's it's live and it's we're not live now. But I understand that that it's deadline based and you don't have time to do anything. I stopped everything. I said, "Wendy, need me there." We worked out a date, and I went to a, a place in New Jersey, and we celebrated, and went to uh, make sure that this mayor gets reelected. He's I'm, I'm an independent. He's Republican, and I feel I've never heard. And correct me if I'm wrong, Monica Crowley. I've never heard a current day Democrat say they love America. I've never heard a Democrat say God bless America like the president wouldn't even say the other day. Jill Biden had to remind them to say, God bless America. So I went out and I went to this little event and a lot of people showed up and we said, we got to reelect this mayor. This is all, it starts here. I said it just like that. It starts here. You cannot let, because they're getting a big push from the Democrats to take over this town. Can't let that happen. And it's so sad because I am a former Democrat. I'm a blue dog Democrat most of my life. I don't know what happened to the party. I don't want to say anything mean about Democrats. There's a handful of Democrats that still like Joe Manchin, one who get it. But I went in there and I went to this event and, and who's running for office. So you got, and it's not easy and none of us have the time to do it, but now it, you're absolutely right. It is dire. It is time to step up and it's got to come from whether it's the school board, whether it's that little meeting I went to to reelect a small town mayor in New Jersey, that will really sway us and get us back to where we have to be as a nation. Yes. And Joe Piscopo, I'm so glad that you said that because I talk about that a lot on this podcast and everywhere else uh, where I'm able, which is get involved locally, run for your local school board, uh, get involved, volunteer for it. If you don't want to run for it, your city council, your town council, run to be a selectman in New England, wherever you are, get involved locally because the left has under understood for decades that all politics is local and revolutions start right. at the local level, right? It's it's actually both a top-down, like a Marxist-Leninist top-down revolution, but it's also a Maoist revolution bottom-up. So they are squeezing us and they're squeezing the middle class or squeezing those of us right. who love America from both ends. So getting involved locally is critical. You know, Joe, you also yeah. do a show on 77 WABC called Sundays with Sinatra, where you spin some great Sinatra <laughs> tunes, you great Italian-American, you. And when yeah. I listen to it, you know, it brings us all back to a time when Sinatra was, you know, king of the hill, the chairman of the board, and uh, yeah. a time when America was different. And it, it brings back so many great memories. And even though we cannot go back in time, we have to at yeah. least try to bring our fundamental American values back. Yeah, it's so true. You know what I did this past summer? And you know, shout out to our boss over at WABC, John Katsimatidis, who came in and has created with AM970 and Mr. Crowley, our boss, uh, not that you're related with Jerry, but I know you got the same name. And these guys are, are they own the radio stations and they, they the, the platforms are formidable. So you got, you got Salem Media with their flagship station, you got WABC, but on Sundays, you're right. I don't do politics. I do the great, I celebrate the great Frank Sinatra. But then this Sunday, this past Sunday, as it was July 3rd, Monica, you would have loved it. I went and I did every patriotic tribute from every great American for, for the last 50 years. So if I have a lot of folks listen that are younger, they listen with their parents, they listen with their grandparents to the uh, Sundays with Sinatra show. I played Johnny Cash talking about the flag. I played Orson Welles reciting the battle hymn of the Republic. I mean, it was awesome. All, Red Skelton explaining how important the Pledge of Allegiance is. Now, this is all new to, to young kids, but what's old is new again. And, and, then, and Mr. Sinatra was the most, greatest patriot of all. I played that, that speech, We Are Americans, the Ronald Reagan, We Are Americans speech. Man, I just laid it out there. And then, and then this, and I know I could probably talk to you about it, but you got to be careful sometimes. But I, pay, I played when B, it was Frank Sinatra with Bing Crosby and a group called Fred Waring in the Pennsylvanias. Now, this is old school from the 60s. They all got together. They did a tribute that was supposed to be a tribute to JFK, who was just assassinated. And he, as you know, Mr. Sinatra was close to John Kennedy. So he did this record that dedicated it to JFK celebrating America in the tumultuous 60s. That was Frank Sinatra leading the way. And they did 
you know, let us break bread together. And then Mr. Sinatra did a song uh, written by Gordon Jenkins. Uh, what does God look like to me? I played that. And you know what? We are in a very, in, in a way, I don't mean to take a, take what we do too seriously, but I really do. I take it organically and honestly, because we, we have to almost educate because people, they flippantly disregard this country. Uh, they, everything's racist. Everything's wrong. We're lectured how bad we are. We're lectured we are not one nation God, under God. They tell us all these things. We, you and I, we're fighters, and we are really, we are like peaceful patriots, I like to say, where we have these formidable platforms and really tell everybody it's okay to believe in this country. It's okay to believe we're one nation under God. It's okay to say we are great. As a people, Americans are, I know I, I tour the country every weekend and I'm out and I see these magnificent people and they're all Americans. They're not going to tear us down. They're trying, Monica Crowley. They are trying, but in the name of my father, they're not going to take us down. Well, amen. And thank God for voices like you out there, not just doing stand up, but also uh, handling their current events, the things that we're fighting for every single yeah. day, the things we're fighting yeah. against. And, you know, it's interesting that you did that show over the weekend, Joe, because it reminds us all that Hollywood used to be very conservative. John yes. Wayne. Yes. And, and I want to tell everybody this story and you'll get a kick out of this. Frank Sinatra started as a Democrat, flipped over to Republican, helped Richard Nixon, helped Ronald Reagan, and was very close to my old boss, President Nixon, um, you know, That's until right. they both passed away. But I remember when yeah. the, the letters used to come in from Frank Sinatra into President Nixon, they would just be oh. like short little notes, like Sinatra would see Nixon on like Larry King Live, and he'd shoot him a little note like, uh, dear Mr. President, fantastic job on TV, I'm with you all the way or something. But he would always sign it, uh, yours, Francis. It was never Frank. It was always Francis. And President Nixon used to show it to me and I'd be like bowled over. You know, here I'm standing with a former president of the United States. But he he was handing me this this handwritten note from Francis Sinatra. It was so fantastic. But that's the kind of you yeah. know, America that we all love and want to go back to. I know you cannot stop time, but in terms of our values and the core principles that made this country great, that's what we're trying to get to. So let me ask you this, Joe, because we just have another couple of minutes with you. Yeah, You yeah. are such a legendary part of Saturday Night Live, brilliant as always when you were on that oh. show. Are you oh. shocked at how political SNL has become? Well, you know, it, again, great question I, and i'm so true to my home base there uh, you know I'm, i was uh, gene domaine actually hired me and then dick ebersall was my producer i didn't work with the great lauren michaels who i admire greatly and you know it's hard for me and i'm careful on the air too because that's my home and that gave me everything pretty much that i have and i always want to respect snl and and this this empire that lauren michaels has um really uh, created but there are times when i see something happen like wait joe biden writes his own material i, I don't want to be mean but i mean really and you know then <laughs> that's I, okay and sometimes i will i watch not just snl i'll watch other shows and i'll go oh man how did they miss that how do you know no this is it you know or if they or if they stayed so obsessed with donald trump and it's like guys there's other people out there you can't you don't want to do nancy pelosi adam ship is a walking character sketch i mean really you know it's like this you can't make the eric swalwell and fang fang this i mean it writes its own material and sometimes i watch i i watch the comedy shows or the late night shows and i go oh man how did they miss that so yeah you get a little frustrated that's why i always talk with john katsimatidis where you talk about creating our own kind of uh you know, a show where, where, where everybody gets made fun of. Because don't forget, I'm the guy that parodied Ronald Reagan on Saturday Night Live. I parodied Ronald Reagan. Long story short, I'll tell you about it, which I probably chatted on the air with you before about it. But then I got invited to the White House as a Democrat, as the guy sat, satirizing the Gipper. And he invited me to the White House. Ronald Reagan did. That's how smart he was. And I, and I it probably went through Frank Sinatra to Nancy to to Mr. Reagan, but I went down, I met Ronald Reagan, I shook Ronald Reagan's hand, and it changed my life. It changed my life politically and personally. The warmth, the caring of nation, the greatness of that great patriot, Ronald Reagan, just floored me. And here I was, paradise. How smart was that? You know, so 
So you got to, it was just even as a young punk from SNL parodying the president, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, the truth will prevail in the long run. You know, that's where we used to be, too, where right and left could get along and find at least a mutual area. I remember when Dana Carvey was impersonating George H.W. Bush and then Bush invited him down to the White House and he. Carvey did Bush to Bush's face like exactly. <laughs> like you did with Reagan. Exactly. But that that doesn't exist anymore. And and it just because SNL has gotten so overtly political, it's really lost its sparkle and it's no longer funny. I can say that if you don't want to. But I wonder, you know, this also because you're still doing stand up and you're out on the road, Joe, this is also true in the stand up world. Jerry Seinfeld has said he can't do college campuses anymore, really can't do stand up. Because say one thing that's perceived the wrong way and your career is over. But we've seen guys like Dave Chappelle push back against the cancel culture and tell the jokes he wants to to tell. So there might be a slight shift in the whole woke culture. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. So I'll I'll go down and and, and, uh, not to take too much time, but I'll go down to a town like Carrollton, Georgia. And I got booked at a theater down there. We're all sold out. I'm on stage. And I know I'm in the right place. They have a giant cross in the middle of the street. You know, I see. And they're watching conservative television. I could see that. So now I step on stage and I'm doing my thing. I'm doing some some impressions. I'm doing the songs. I'm doing the music. And, I, and then I looked around and I just said, you know, I'm so proud to be an American. I go like that. They went crazy. There is. And they when I they hear what you do, Monica Crowley, what I do, I tell you, it's a huge audience. And they, they fill seats. They go, they're out there. Folks are out there that love this country. And people think, oh, you can't do that. Well, you know what? I ain't going to stop doing it. I do it Good. because there's people are there. And those fine people, like my father, like my mother, like my grandparents, they're proud to be American like you are, Monica. And, I, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Well, great. Last question for you, Joe. We so appreciate you. What's next for you? Any big projects you want to tell us about? You know what I'm doing? I mean, I, I, I got permission to be able to talk about it. Jerry Lewis was a, uh, my idol. Jerry Lewis, the great Jerry Lewis. And if you're younger and you're listening, you got Google Jerry Lewis. Even my, my 11-year-old daughter loves Jerry now. He, he was a chaplain. For my generation, he was a chaplain of our time. And I always wanted to do the right, the right movie for Jerry. So we got the rights. I got the rights to do the Jerry Lewis story. So we're going to produce that. And I want to do... Uh, a nice movie about the great Jerry Lewis, you know, so, and there's a couple of the films that we're doing that we're producing. I'll always be on the road. We're going to stay on the radio. We're going to do more with the Sundays with Sinatra show and make that into a TV show. But the production on some of these film things, just great entertainment. Like you said about Top Gun, how great is Tom Cruise? You know, I mean, that he went, you just, and that's what I would like to do. Just create some nice, uh, entertainment for all walks of life. And that's where we're going. And by the grace of God, we'll get there, Monica. Well, good for you and changing the culture. You're playing such a critical role in that. And I'm I'm so thrilled to hear you're doing the Jerry Lewis film. Uh, my friend <laughs> Bill loves Jerry Lewis and the uh, King of Comedy, Kings of Comedy, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know, it. his favorite movie. So I'm so that's glad it. that you're going to do that. And we will be watching for that. We'll get updates for you from you uh, as the that goes along. And of course, we'll be listening to you every weekday, Monday, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Yeah. Eastern time on AM 970, The Answer in New York, and Sundays with Sinatra on 77 WABC. The great, legendary Joe Piscopo. Check him out on his website, <laughs> JoePiscopo.us. Joe, thank you so much. Love you, Monica. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for rolling with me today. Time to dip into the email bag. And don't forget, you can send me an email to Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I read them all, so send them my way. Bill writes, Monica, I've followed you since the Bill O'Reilly days on Fox. I've always appreciated your thoughtful analysis. Love the new music. Thanks for all you do. Bill from Michigan Estan. Michigan Estan. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Bill. And I know you're in Michigan Estan, and I'm in the People's Republic of New York, so I feel your pain. Hang in there. 
the cavalry is coming, Bill. Heike writes, hello, love your podcast. Facebook deleted my account over a year ago. No jail time, just deletion with no reason given. Can we not all file a lawsuit together against Facebook like a class action lawsuit? Let's rock it in November. Love you. Well, thank you, Heike. Very nice note. And I'm sorry that that happened to you with Facebook. These social media platforms are evil and they act with impunity because they can. And unfortunately, there really isn't much recourse. Heike, I hope that you have reestablished your page or sought out different social media like Trump's uh, social media platform, True Social. And then, of course, we can all hope and pray that Elon Musk takes over Twitter. That whole thing has been very quiet, so I don't want to get my hopes up. It, it might be that he's not coming to save us all via Twitter, that that deal doesn't go through. I hope I'm wrong about that, but... You know, we're, we're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But there are other platforms like True Social, like Parler, like Getter. Um, and, you know, in terms of Facebook, maybe you can reestablish the page, Heike, under a different rubric or a different name. Anyway, we are going to rock it in November, Heike, but we need you and we need all hands on deck to make that happen. Let's go. All right. I so appreciate you guys. And I appreciate that you guys all check out the great sponsors of this show. Thank you as always. All right. That's going to do it for me today, but I will see you right back here on Friday with another big show on Michelle Obama. Is she or isn't she? You're not going to want to miss this. I promise you have a great rest of your week and I will see you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.